Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Who are the biggest winners and the biggest losers of the offseason so far from a fantasy football perspective, of course? That's what we are figuring out today on a special weekend edition of the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Network, sponsored by LinkMe. I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network, alongside the ecstatic Cole Topham of Chargers Wire, but we're not alone. Today, let me introduce you to a very special guest. You may know him from his podcast, The Fresh Fantasy Podcast, or as a contributor to Football Guys. You may also think you know him from the Chicago Bulls. You'd be wrong. Please (laughs) welcome Alex Caruso. Alex, I hope you don't mind me throwing in that last part, man. I love the last part. Not enough people mentioned it on the podcast. I, I love Alex Caruso, the player. I love when people mention it, so I'm I'm all about it. Really? I would imagine most people at you sometimes, like with the whole uh, Grayson Allen fiasco, little NBA crossover here on the podcast, but you don't get Alex Caruso mentions much? Oh, all the time. I, I, get them, I get them at least probably two or three times a week, and I usually will like it and comment, and just the thought that they see, like, Alex Caruso liked it. And then they get to be disappointed, but um, (laughs) I I definitely like, you know, playing around with the mentions. And I think it's always cool that, you know, someone with my name is, you know, kind of famous. You have a little bit more hair though. A little bit, only, only a very small bit more. I mean, I think he rocks the look. I probably couldn't rock a headband like he could, but (laughs) I'm definitely thankful to have a little bit extra hair. Nice. Yeah. I was about to say Cole and I definitely do not have that problem there are no at least there are no Cole Topham's in the world all the Zach Cohen's in the world are either like lawyers or violinists so nothing to be special about on Twitter uh Twitter has been popping off a lot lately though and we talked about it right before the show it's largely because of how insane this offseason has been Alex can you remember a time when there was this much going on after the games ended I don't remember ever that much. And I think as a content creator like ourselves with uh, like TikTok or podcasts, whatever, it's been great content wise. You never run out of things to talk about. And I hope it's something that continues. I mean, I, I like it because it's not like the NBA where, you know, one big player goes and automatically it's going to be impossible to beat them. The NFL is always so wide open every year. There's been no repeat champion since 2003, 2004. So like, I'm all for it. I hope this happens every year, but I love the excitement every year and I hope we continue to get more of it because it's fun and it's great for content. It's amazing for content. And if you love Alex, what he says, his type of content, you can follow him on Twitter at Alex Caruso. Hopefully it's pretty self-explanatory. You can follow the boy Cole at ham analysis. You can follow me at Zach Cohen FB with that. Let's get the ball rolling. So today We've been tasked with picking two big winners and two big losers from the offseason from a fantasy football standpoint. Alex, as our guest, you can go first. Who is your first big winner based on everything that's gone down uh, these past couple months? Yeah, absolutely. So my first big winner is a guy that I was probably one of the lowest people in the entire fantasy community on in 2021, and that's Juju Smith-Schuster. I just love what he's going to be able to do with the Chiefs. I love the deal. One year, two and a half million, up to 10 million incentives. 
And like, admittedly, Juju's not been very good the last couple of years. Wide receiver 65, 17, and 133. But he has finished as wide receiver eight when he's playing with someone who's really taking the attention away, like Travis Kelsey. Juju's still only 25 years old. He hasn't even entered his prime. But the biggest thing that I love about Juju is that there's 260 vacated targets in the offense. Excuse my voice. Um, <laughs> You're good, 260 man. vacated targets. I mean, Tyreek Hill, Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, all those targets are out of the offense, and that opens up things for Juju hugely. Playing with the best QB, best offensive coach, best offense in the NFL. I love how everything is looking up for Juju this year. Mm -hmm. Could get a career resurgence here in Kansas City. A couple weeks ago when we had Jennifer Aikens on the podcast, uh, the three of us were speculating that could be a good fit for him too. Of course, we thought Tyreek Hill would still be there. He is no longer there. But maybe it could open up more opportunities for another player. Cole, I think that's a perfect segue for your first big winner of the offseason. Yeah, no, I mean, we're going to stick with the Chiefs, right? So I have Travis Kelsey, right? And his 22.3 target share, percent target share, was already ridiculous as a tight end. It's only going to increase next season because, you know, MVS slides in as the, as the speed option to replace Tyreek Hill, but MVS just isn't Tyreek Hill. Like, he, he didn't have the same – he has the same, like, skill makeup, but he's not the same player, obviously. And, you know, Alex, you know, it was a great pitch for Juju – but he just doesn't have like the same electric game breaking potential um, as, as Tyreek. And I think that's what this chief's offense is, is going to, you know, slide into next season. It's going to be, you know, more shorter, quick pass game. Um, the explosive opportunities, I feel like they're going to be there, but they're going to be there in less frequency. So that means a lot of, you know, short game work for Kelsey, a lot of yards after catch potential, his numbers last season, ranked second in reception, second in receiving yards, first in yards after catch, and first among tight ends with 10 touchdowns. Mahomes knows who he can rely on, right? Those two are just on the same wavelength, and they'll be more hardwired than ever in 2022. Before we get to my big winner, and I swear we didn't plan on them all being somewhat related to one player, uh, Alex, Cole has been very vocal about not being a big tight end guy. So naturally he would wait for the big tight ends. So to see him talk about Travis Kelsey right now, that's one awesome. I'm giving you a round of applause here, Cole. <laughs> uh, but two, that kind of contradicts what I've been thinking this whole offseason is that Mark Andrews could be the new tight end one. Now all of a sudden, like Cole said, Kelsey has a lot more work to put in. Where, where's your mind at for who tight end one should be in fantasy drafts? I don't think it's a question. I think it's Travis Kelsey. I mean, he's been the top guy five out of the last six years now. Gets all the volume that he could possibly imagine in this offense. He's a guy that gets open at will. I don't think, you know, a little more coverage going to be at him is, you know, a big problem. It's the same thing with Najee Harris. It's it's volume, volume, volume. Wherever the volume is, I'm going to follow it. And the volume's going to Travis Kelsey. I think that's where my thinking lies at now, too. Look what a crazy offseason does for everyone. You lose Tyreek Hill, you get more targets. Meanwhile, you gain Tyreek Hill. Your fantasy value may go up, at least if you're my big winner of the offseason, Tua Tungavailoa. No more excuses here. When you add one of the game's best game-changing players, maybe not just now, but of the past decade or so, all of a sudden, your fantasy value goes through the roof. Then you add Cedric Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds. That's a whole bunch of speed. It's like a it's like a flash, like multiverse convention with all the speedsters you have in this offense right now. So even if Tua doesn't take that next step as a passer, 
Let's say he dumps the ball off five, six yards every play. Hypothetically, he would never do that. The haters would say he will, <laughs> though. You just get the ball in the hands of your electric playmakers. Boom, they take off. That's fantasy points for you. So Tua, all of a sudden, looking like a pretty darn good fantasy pick. I don't know where his ADP will be in a few months in redraft. I know right now in best ball and dynasty, it's kind of hit his ceiling. Like he's being taken as early as quarterback seven or quarterback eight in big drafts. What do you think about that, Alex? Where does Tua stand in your uh, in your standing of current quarterbacks? I think in Dynasty, at least, he'd probably be right outside the top 10 for me. Um, I think I'm not ready to put him there just yet because he hasn't done it. I'm a little bit more hesitant than some people that he's going to get Tyree Kill and it's going to solve every problem he's ever had. But I'm definitely someone that last year was more of a believer than two within the average person. I think that he has all the weapons he can imagine. But I think the most underrated part, it's not Tyree Kill. It's Teron Armstead. I mean, mm. it's the fact that he had probably the worst line in the NFL the last couple of years. It's just been the QB. And I think that they made some big improvements in that. And I think not only that, but having someone that's even faster and more athletic and electric than Jalen Waddle, I mean, wheels up for Tua. I think that maybe, you know what, with that argument, he should probably be in the top 10 almost for Dynasty. I'm, I really like Tua this year, and I really hope that he can succeed with Mike McDaniel. Mm-hmm. Top 10 Dynasty quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa. Shaking your head, Cole, we agree with that? Yeah, he's probably around that range for me, too. Uh, you know, like Alex, I'm a little bit hesitant to put him at, in that range and, and really just, like, you know, sell my stock on Tua before we haven't seen him play with his new playmakers. But, you know, it, it, the Dolphins are trending up in the right direction. I really believe in Mike, Mike McDaniel as a head coach. I think he brings, you know, a lot to the table, especially after his success using Debo Samuel creatively in San Francisco. So I think he'll be able to translate some of the same aspects of that, you know, uh, NFL evolution of an offense into Miami and all those playmakers and just use their skill sets to the best of their abilities. Mm-hmm. Well said, my friend. All right, let's keep it moving. We each got one more winner left before we dive into some losers where there's positivity. There's got to be a little negativity. It's how it works. Alex, your second big winner from the off season. Who is it? It's, it's James Conner. I mean, I know that he still signed with his team, but I think James Conner's great. I mean, he's the running back five overall with Chase Edmonds for most of the year. He had 19 touchdowns in 16 games. In the games that Chase Edmonds played with Conner, he averaged 12 touches a game. I don't think any other backup running back comes in and averages that many. Conner's a lot more healthy than people realize. He's just a running back. He's played at least 13 games in four out of five seasons. I mean, that's literally playing like 80% of the games in four of his five seasons. I know he's never played the full 16 but I'd rather a running back you know that will only miss two or three games a year rather than really miss a big chunk of games I mean you can make an argument go either way on that but again his career high is only 15 games the offense will be very much the same but maybe more targets for James Conner without Christian Kirk and 53 targets from Chase Edmonds that are gone but the biggest thing that I'm going to go back to is the fact that in games they played together Chase Edmonds averaged 12 touches a game and I don't think that number will be nearly the same you know, when Chase Edmonds isn't in there, I think it's going to be Connor getting the volume all day. And if he can stay healthy, I think that there's a chance that he could be a top three running back and he'll definitely repeat top five again. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting projection because you're right. At this point, we don't know what Arizona's backfield will look like next season. We can assume it's just James Connor, but there still seems like it's a good chance they can add someone else in the draft, especially someone who can catch passes. Well, maybe like Cole's guy from Arizona state or Rashad white, that would seem like a pretty good pairing. So speaking of you, Cole, your second winner before we get to some losers, who you got for us? 
Yeah, it's not necessarily like a specific player, but specific position, and that's the Broncos wideouts because Russell Wilson is in town. He's riding with the Broncos now, and he's finally going to be allowed to, to cook in Denver, right? They brought in Russell Wilson to throw the ball you know, accurately, efficiently. We know he's mobile, can extend plays, legitimately deliver Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy a chance to catch the rock unlike Drew Locke, right? That also means yeah. like Russ working the simple stuff like the crossers, the quick screens, the short little dump offs that now becomes automatic instead of, you know, kind of like a hold your breath moment with Locke, Right. So Jerry Judy has been wanting a new quarterback since the end of his rookie season. Remember when everyone blew up at him, when he got excited about the prospect of, a, of Denver acquiring, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson or coming to, I mean, he got so much hate for that radio interview and he also expressed interest in, you know, Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball as well. So he finally gets what he wants in, in Russell Wilson. So it's a strong bet for me that this is the year he stays healthy, puts it all together for a breakout, you know, year three campaign. I think he can really be an asset in your later rounds of your fantasy draft. Alex, are you pro Jerry Judy, pro Cortland Sutton? We've been relatively pro Cortland Sutton on this podcast, but Jerry Judy, we haven't talked too much about. I'm definitely a Cortland Sutton guy. I'm, I'm with you guys the same way with like the Cooper Cup. Like it was between Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. I'm going to take the cheaper guy. I think both are going to get unlocked with Wilson. And I think that Cortland Sutton, he's, he's the man. I love Jerry <laughs> Judy. I want them both to succeed, um, especially because they've been so screwed at quarterback, you know, in their careers so far. So I'm, I'm all for both of those guys, but if I had to lean one, I'd probably pick Corin Sutton if you had a gun to my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd cool. probably say the same too. Yep, exactly, exactly. So those are your guys' big winners. Let me round out the winner's portion of the show with my guy. I've been pounding the table for this dude for a long time, and everyone's hated him, and he finally did it this year when I drafted him. My boy Joe Mixon from Cincinnati, your RB. Four. We always kind of, I felt like knew that an RB1 finish would be in the cards, but it seems like every season something would go wrong, especially with his injury history or just a bad offense in general. But then this season, it finally happened. And honestly, I can't see why it won't happen again next season. The Bengals offense only got better. They added loads of talent along the offensive line, like L. Collins, Alex Kappa. I don't really consider Ted Karras an upgrade, but hey, he's better than what they got last year so I guess that that is technically by definition an upgrade but I think the real thing for me is why I still would have Joe Mixon as a top five fantasy pick overall is because this Bengals offense isn't rotated around their run game it's their pass game and like we saw in the Super Bowl you shut down that pass game okay you can kind of stop the Bengals so for me I would imagine defenses would still focus on mitigating Joe Burrow's arm, uh, slowing down Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, which allows for Joe Mixon to continue to do his job and do it well. I think if anyone's had a great offseason and no one's really talking about it that much, it's Mixon. Where are we on the Joe Mixon train, Alex? Are we thinking he could replicate his RB1 status or is he going to fall off again because that's it might just be a one and done type season? I, I was one of the very few people last year that was like absolutely pounding the drum for Joe Mixon. I got a lot of stuff wrong last year. I, I got a lot of stuff wrong. Joe Mixon was one that I got absolutely right. I was all in on Joe Mixon. All the signs pointed, pointed towards him doing really well, and he did. I think that stays up. I think he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. Offensive line's improving. You know, that offensive line coach, Frank Polak, that I really believed in because he unlocked him before. 
I'm think he's going to continue to unlock Mixon. I love Mixon. I'm all in. I think he should be a top five pick as well. Look, we all get things wrong in this community. I think it's like mostly like, like say 75, 80, maybe even 85% of the things we predict and say are wrong. You got to be prepared to be wrong. So when you get those things right, man, you got to go at it. You got to put your, put yourself up there and announce the world. Well, I get things wrong, but Hey, I, got, I hit this on the head. Joey Mixon, man, you must be feeling pretty good. I'm with you too, by the way, on that one. We we both get the victory lap on this one. So those- Exactly. Let me ask you this. Ooh, what yeah. are the chances? Because in the wide receiver department, a lot of people are, are tabbing Jamar Chase as kind of that wide receiver one um, in that conversation. What are the chances the Bengals deliver a wide receiver one and an RB one? So the overall RB one or wide receiver one or yeah. just like in general? Yeah, like the percentage, if if a perf, in a perfect world where all the variables line up, what are the chances Jamar Chase finishes as wide receiver one and Joe Mixon as RB1? I think it's possible. I honestly have no idea when the last time that's happened, if ever. It, you would need to have be nuts. a pretty historically efficient offense. Also, I think a lot of things need to go Jamar Chase's way, like in a bad way on the field, but at least in a good way from a fantasy perspective, like T Higgins, Tyler Boyd would kind of need to be removed from the equation because for Mm -hmm. as dynamic and as explosive Jamar chase is, he's still got Higgins and Boyd two very good receivers. You have any thoughts on that, Alex? That's a, that's a good question. Cool. I like that one. I, so I don't, I don't, I guess your answer by the way, for that is like maybe like a five, 6% chance, not out of the realm of possibilities though. What do you think, Alex? I would put it more as like a one or a two uh, personally, just, just because I'm, I just like, I just don't see how they get there from a touchdowns perspective. Cause they'd have to, they'd have to each score like every offensive touchdown for the Bengals. I just don't think that, you know, it's going to stop one player, other running back or wide receiver from having a historic season at the same time they are. And that they can like outproduce the touchdowns of some guy on another team that isn't competing with Jamar Chase or otherwise competing with Joe Mixon. But I love the thought and I really hope it happens. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. You know what? Maybe it happened with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. I might have to check that at some point. That that may have been the last time. Can we think of any other times when there's been a fantastic RB1, a fantastic wide receiver one on the same team? Anyone come to mind? Uh, Le'Veon Bell's highest finish was the running back two. Oh, um, and Darn. Antonio Brown, the only year that Antonio Brown, sorry, that Bell finished as the um, one running back one. Oh, they did do it. 2014. Let's go. There you go. Sorry. They, yeah. Nice. That's okay. It. So, yeah, maybe it stays within the AFC North this season. But I, I'm kind Yeah, I'm with you, Alex. I, it, it's probably not going to happen. But it's possible. And I didn't think it could be possible. There you go. Hey, and that was Big Ben way past his prime. We're talking about Joe Shiesty here, okay? <laughs> and anything is possible with Joe Shiesty. But can Joe Shiesty be a, a check down doctor that, that Big Ben <laughs> was to Le'Veon Bell? Ooh, wow. So. Jeez, throwing some shade at Big Ben. Uh, and he it's probably warranted. He's not been a good quarterback. All right. Now that we got the winners out of the way, I can, I can sense the mood shifting. So we got to talk about the big losers we each got two players but before we do a quick word from our beloved sponsor link me i'm not wearing the link me hoodie today if you could alex you'd see it's spelled l-i-n-k-m-e what the heck is it well 
It's awesome. It is one of the fastest growing social media apps on the planet. It's also a link sharing app. So you can have all of your content in one place, your TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, your, your uh, PlayStation handle, your Xbox handle, your Venmo, your OnlyFans for crying out loud. You can have all of that in one place and share it easy with a scan of a QR code with a share of a link, all on LinkMe, L-I-N-K-M-E. You can post content, share it to the world. It's one of the fastest growing apps in the country and on this beloved planet. Link me, L-I-N-K-M-E. All right, let's get into our losers. Alex, kick things off. One of your biggest losers from this offseason from a fantasy football standpoint, of course. Unfortunately, this one hurts, but it's DK Metcalf. I mean, DK Metcalf's going from Russell Wilson, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the last decade, to Drew Locke, who in his last year as a starter was 37th in true completion percentage, 43rd in catchable pass rate. It's not even a starting quarterback. And 34th in deep ball completion percentage. All critical things for DK Metcalf. I think it's a huge downgrade. It's not going to be as nearly of as efficient offense, even though it really wasn't last year. I think that DK Metcalf is going to be like the ultimate boomer bust where he has like 12 games below like 10 points and then like two or three games that are like above 20 points because Drew Locke happens to, you know, throw the ball on the ocean and DK Metcalf <laughs> happens to go out and find it. Um, I'm just not in it for DK Metcalf this year. It hurts to say, I think he's going to be what Corwin Sutton was last year when they had similar air yards, but touchdowns were the only difference. That's why Corwin Sutton was outside the top 40 and DK Metcalf was in the top 20 but they had the same air yards. It was just touchdowns and red zone production. And that's probably what it's going to be flip-flop this year, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Unless barring a insane rise to stardom from Drew Locke, I think it's safe to say we won't be seeing the fully formed DK Metcalf in Seattle this offseason. Same could be said about Tyler Lockett, too. Uh, but I think you you kind of hit it on the head there. Metcalf's value is generally perceived as higher than Lockett, especially in Dynasty. So his stock probably took the biggest hit. Uh, who's another loser, Cole? And I'm very... I was wondering if someone was going to say this player, and I'm glad you did, because at least on my timeline on Twitter, it's being talked about all the time. Who's that player? Yeah, and this, I don't know, it really pains me to say this because I felt like I was this uh, this prospect's white knight coming out of college, but it's Justin Fields. Like, the Bears just did nothing to help him out in free agency. No true weapons um, added. Allen Robinson left for greener pastures with the Rams. So the top two options are, are Dar Darnell Mooney. It's great. But then Byron Pringle. And uh, the depth chart after that is pitiful. Like, uh, you, you really have to scrap for some information to, to find out, you know, if these guys can actually produce or not. So you have to think, like, adding playmakers that are going to be instant, instant contributors will be a priority in the draft, right? Perhaps maybe even an, an Ohio State weapon for some previous chemistry with fields. But they don't pick – the Bears don't pick until the second round of the draft. So all the premier, like, pass-catching options – um, they're not going to have their choice of their playmaker, which I think is really concerning. Um, and obviously there are still some weapons to be added in free agency, but I don't think the bears, like the way that they've approached, um, this off season so far, it doesn't really seem like a team that's, you know, wanting to get aggressive this late in the game. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that is just really unfortunate for fields who still has to learn, you know, a new offense and adjust to a new head coach. 
um, over these next few months. I just think right now I, I'm out on fields until he gets, you know, consistent contributors around him. Mm -hmm. And the sad part is we still don't really know what this offense is going to look like. Matt Everflus comes in to replace Matt Nagy, Luke Getze, the Packers' former tight end coach, and now the offensive coordinator. So we can speculate what type of offense they're going to run. But at the end of the day, Cole, what is the best case scenario for Fields to realize his true fantasy potential in year two? Uh, just feeding Darnell Mooney and that rushing upside right now because, mm -hmm. you know, you know, Fields is probably going to add in uh, he's probably going to be one of the premier, you know, rush quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe score, you know, touchdowns uh, with his legs. But yeah, I mean, I just don't have any hope in Byron Pringle breaking out with the, with the bears uh, in his first year with, with all the adjustments and changes that are going on in Chicago. Yep, exactly. I feel like overall, by the way, we have talked quite a bit amount of the AFC North. We talked a little bit about their Steelers. We definitely got some Bengals talk in there. Haven't gotten to the Ravens, but now let's talk a little bit more about the Browns because they added Deshaun Watson. And while Deshaun Watson, fantasy winner, Amari Cooper, fantasy winner, Donovan Peoples-Jones, fantasy winner for right now, even David Njoku, sure. Although it is April Fool's Day and he did, I don't know if you guys saw this, he sent out a tweet saying, I've requested a trade. And then a few minutes later was like, psych. April Fools. Um, I think <laughs> a big loser, not just from that whole weird fiasco, because that that got dicey. Even Ian Rappaport, by the way. Dragon, yeah, he quote tweeted it with like, oh, David Njoku requesting a train. He's like, oh, my bad. It's April Fools. Whoops. But my point is, after that whole weird side rant, big loser, Nick Chubb. I would say Kareem Hunt, but the value there, like, I think it's not going to change too much. Like, you'll probably be, like, an RB3, maybe even RB4 in your fantasy team, depending on how you draft. But Chubb, all of a sudden, I don't know if I feel great about taking him in the first round. And it's simply because – and look, Chubb is a great runner. He's a great player, right? We just don't know what this offense could be because the value that Chubb always brought to the table was you know he's going to be the centerpiece of that offense. You know the Browns built their offense around that run game. Now, not so sure. Even Watson could just steal carries from Chubb, and at the same time, Chubb could just lose carries altogether based on how this offense could look. They could be throwing the ball more than 50% of the time now. And we haven't really seen Kevin Stefanski in an offense that is predicated around a very good quarterback. You can talk about Kirk Cousins all the live long day, but at the end of the day, Deshaun Watson is a better player and adding him definitely takes away from the value that Chubb could bring, not just to Cleveland, but to your fantasy teams. So Nick Chubb, I think I'm out on him as a first round player. Uh, depending on his ADP, I don't know if I'd take him in the second round either. I'd probably want someone who will be more involved in the offense. So Alex, where do you stand on Chubb as a first round running back right now? I haven't liked Nick Chubb as a first round running back ever. I, I just don't <laughs> think that he has like, and, but honestly, I, it, it's kind of ridiculous to me to say though, because it was the same reason I was so out on Jonathan Taylor like, I just didn't see it happen because you'd have to be a historical outlier like Taylor to be the running back one overall. So, like, why on earth am I drafting him if his ceiling is, like, RB5 because he doesn't catch a lot of passes and he's playing with Kareem Hunt? I agree. I'm, I'm out on him, and he's still a loser this offseason, I think, and he loses some of those, you know, extra dump-offs that he could have had or some rushes inside the 10-yard line. And I know Deshaun Watson's splits of running inside the 10-yard line are ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So, 
I don't know. I think Nick Chubb's a loser, but I still think Nick Chubb, like as a player, is still one of the most talented two or three running backs in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. Well said, my friend. Well, you're up again with your final loser before we all share our final losers. Who is your last player who saw their fantasy value dip based off this whirlwind of an offseason? Yeah, this one was a little bit, you know, a little golden golden thing on my plate here. because uh, I, I don't like this player as much in real life just because I respect his talent. Um, but it's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's been a top 10 QB in 11 out of 11 seasons that he's played 15 plus games. The only season he hasn't been a top 10 QB is where he played nine and seven games because of various injuries. But he doesn't have Devontae Adams. You know, Jordy Delson's not walking through that door. He has no true alpha number one wide receiver. They've yet to sign anyone. I think Alan Lazard's a solid player, but I don't think he's meant to be their, you know, wide receiver one overall. Of course, maybe they draft, you know, someone like Jamison Williams or Traylon Burks or one of those great guys. But I think just because you don't have the world beating talent that was Devontae Adams or Randall Cobb or Jordy Nelson or all those guys that he's had over the course of his career, unless they make a massive trade, I think this is going to be a year that he's going to finish outside the top 10 QBs when he actually plays multiple games. I still think he's going to be a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but like he's finished, you know, six or lower on the other side of that in three out of the last four years with Devontae Adams. I think without Adams, I just don't think he can do it. Still a great player, still a Hall of Fame career. I just think for a fantasy football perspective, it's going to be hard to trust him with Alan Lazard and no Marquise Valdez Scantling. Hmm. Oh, God forbid he doesn't have MVS. Devontae Adams. Yeah, that was probably the biggest like an impact on a player that wasn't moved like you lose Devonte adams you know what else you got going on uh cole your final loser and it pained me to see you write this player's name down but i completely i would imagine i agree with your thinking so why don't you unveil to our beautiful listeners who your final loser is while i curl up in a ball and cry Yeah, I'm not going to beat around the bush. It's DJ Moore. The Panthers took a swing and missed on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Sam Darnold is now once again the front runner to quarterback this offense again. And yeah, we saw it last season when Moore ranked fifth in the league in unrealized air yards. So the the trajectory for this team is unwavering, if not pointed slightly down. Uh, Moore is still lackluster in the red zone. He's never scored more than four touchdowns in a single season with uh, Darnold's accuracy issues. I don't really see that changing. He's not getting out of this situation anytime soon because he signed a four-year contract uh, this offseason. So, I mean, Moore's situation is pretty much unchanged. He still has, he still has quarterback issues. Um, you know, and even if Darnold isn't the answer uh, after this season – they're still going to have to bring in someone new and there's going to be, you know, that adjustment chemistry shift, all the, all these variables just scream, stay away from DJ Moore and dynasty. Um, and if you do have him on, his te- on your team, just get him off, just abandon ship. Wow. Alex, your reaction to when Cole said DJ Moore, it looked like you had just been stabbed in the chest. Well, what's <laughs> going on there? I love DJ Moore. I think he's just like a, five years younger Alan Robinson but like way better uh, I mean it, it pains me to see like just I mean I mean the sense is just the bad quarterback play mm-hmm. you know really taking him down I mean I'm, I'm with you know Cole that he is a loser of the offseason unfortunately and this like could have been the year but unfortunately he's got to play with like Will Greer and Taylor Heineke <laughs> 
I mean, Kyle Allen's of the world for for some more years. Maybe we'll bring Cam Cam Newton for another 0-5 stretch midseason. <laughs> you know, you never know. But I love DJ Moore. I want to see him succeed so badly. Mm-hmm more than like any wide receiver in the NFL, if I could give them a dream quarterback, honestly, it would probably be DJ Moore at the top of my list. Um, So it hurts to see, but, you know, I got to hope that eventually they can, you know, find someone and that Matt Jaw Rule will figure something out. (laughs) Matt Jaw Rule. (laughs) This has been, this has been a sad second half to the show, man. We're just like, you can just see our souls like slowly exiting our body, our hearts slowly withering away with all the players we mentioned. And my last loser is no exception. It, It didn't make me happy to write down Darren Waller's name because he hasn't been like the best tight end, but he's been one of the best tight ends and again Cole sorry to bring up you know your least favorite positions uh (laughs) but Waller like what's his deal coming into next season last season he wasn't playing up to par you know he wasn't the healthiest player on the team either and then his real fame to claim has been volume 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 see what I did there I I quoted your quote from earlier Alex that's how we do it on BFP (laughs) absolutely but now all of a sudden One, you have Hunter Renfro as probably Derek Carr's favorite weapon coming back from last season. And then there's this guy that traded for like Devontae Adams or something. I don't know who should probably not only steal a good amount of targets from Carr, but they have chemistry. He's also one of the best wide receivers of this decade. And so... All of a sudden, where does Waller fit into that? Can he still be a top tight end? I guess so. It's a horrendous position. Although this season, the tight ends aren't looking too bad relative to other years. I digress, though. Waller, just his ceiling is capped now because you have two proven receivers who can vulture targets from him. And then there's, of course, the touchdown regression, man. Waller scoring touchdowns the past couple seasons. It's been frustrating to say the least so are we in or out on darren waller as say like a top five tight end let's survey the room starting with you alex darren waller top five tight end yay or nay yay i I think top five yeah i i I mean it's darren it's darren waller i'm gonna hope that talent wins out here i mean Mm -hmm. he's still had a great target share it's not gonna be the same with Devontae adams but again i know that like Devontae Adams and Derek Carr played together at Fresno State. I'm I'm well aware. Everyone else is well aware. But I, I think that like it's still gonna take a little time to build that connection. I still think Darren Waller is going to get his. You know, I'm not one of those freaks that's like screaming up and down that, you know, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller will be more open than ever, and that's why they're gonna succeed. No, I think targets are important. And like you said, volume, volume, volume. Um, but I still think he's going to be a top five tight end. I think it's, you know, on the borderline, you know, with Kyle Pitts getting better, TJ Hawkinson will be a threat, Andrews, Kittle, Kelsey. So I think that as I'm saying that out loud, it sounds a little bit tougher, but I'd probably have him right at tight end five right now. Mm-hmm. What about you, Cole? Yeah, I wouldn't drop him out of the top five. I mean, behind Kelsey's the best pure pass catching tight end in the league. So, and you know, he's going to get red zone targets. He's going to be a viable option there. And as we know, Zach, red zone targets are the money for mm-hmm. tight ends. So Waller gets a lot of them. Um, I think he'll be all right. He just won't be, you know, at the cream of the crop for the position. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an interesting position group to sort out. I'm sure we would have to bring Alex back on later on in the off season so we can figure all things tight ends and just fantasy football in general. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Alex Caruso. Anywhere else they could uh, find you, Alex, if they like your content? 
Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on YouTube at Fresh Fantasy, but the main, my main, you know, place of residence at this point somehow is definitely TikTok <laughs> um, at Alex Russo NFL making videos seven days a week. Uh, normally, uh, there probably won't be a video today because I'm losing my voice and I don't want to, you know, hurt my my viewers with this, but videos usually coming six or seven days a week, content all the time, always talking about fantasy football. Definitely come and check it out. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, man, no problem. This was a blast. A bit earlier than we usually record our shows. I think we all were suffering a little bit from uh, those bed voices. You know, I slept with our mouths open or something. But <laughs> we still had a blast, man. I mean, we're so happy to have you on, especially someone who is a bit on the younger side like us. You're always welcome back, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm down to come on anytime. Yeah, no problem. And so as always, as our outro music uh, swirls on in post-edit, of course, to us three, it's just, you know, in our heads right now. Cole, as always, send us out before I say thank you for listening to the Breakout Football Podcast. I am Zach Cohen at Zach Cohen FB. That is Cole Topham at Ham Analysis. That was Alex Caruso. I think the Bulls suit up later tonight, too. So make sure you get to the game <laughs> in time. Cole, send things on our way. Yeah, another banger episode in the books. Uh, I don't think free agency is done, so we might be back next week with a bunch more signings. Uh, there's still a bunch of, you know, blue chip players still out there, you know, not receiving deals yet. So still a lot of the market yet to shake out. So stay locked, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.